the heart of the Oregon wine country, you're listening to Season 5 of the Wine Crush Podcast. Stories uncorked for casual wine enthusiasts around the world, featuring winemakers from the Willamette Valley. Sponsored by Country Financial. From origin stories to terroir, here's your host, Heidi Moore. Joe Rogan? Oh, boy. Oh, we just went sideways. Okay. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Wine Crush Podcast. We are in season five, nearing the end, but we are episode 15. We've kind of really nailed it and hit it out of the ballpark this year with seasons and stories, and it's pretty freaking awesome. So anyhow, we are here today with Chris and Candice from Three Goats Vineyard and the fabulous Anne with Heliotera, and um, she's going to come up next, but you guys are up to bat first. So welcome to the both of you, Chris and Candace, the like face behind the goats that nobody ever <laughs> sees. So you are getting outed today. Yes, we are. Thank you for inviting us. It's super awesome. Yeah, Glad we're excited to be, to be here. You guys were so cute and giddy when I came to <laughs> hang out with the goats and you guys last week. They're like, I don't understand why you picked us. And I'm like, and I've been chasing you guys for literally a while. And it's, you didn't have any wine. So that was a lot of it. And we'll kind of get into your story with that here in a minute. But like I explained to you, I love great branding. And there's something about your goats that, you know, goats are just lovable. They're stupid, they're wild, they're unpredictable, and really, truly, they are assholes on a regular basis. I mean, just in their nature, for the most part. And so the fact that they're on your label makes it very inquisitive as far as what's in the bottle itself. So nice work, branding guy. Well, thank you. Yeah, yes. We, we had a, a really good idea to just stack them because they climb on everything. They destroy everything. They're little mini terrorists. Yes. So uh, beyond that, that's really what the story was behind the the. Goats. Yeah. And that we have three. We actually do have three. And let's it's say their names right? right now because they are a s'more combo. Yeah. So we were inspired by s'mores. So we've got a, a girl and two boys. So the girl, her full name is Marshmallow, but we call her Melly for short. And then the boys, we've got Herschel, inspired by Hershey's. And then we've got Graham for graham crackers. There we go. So everybody loves a good s'more. Yeah. Everybody loves a goat. So, you know, <laughs> now go love the wine. <laughs> Okay, let's back up because we've now gotten straight into the goats and we forgot to add all the backstory that goes into acquiring the goats and really what really inspired you to Crow Vineyard of all places and all things. So (laughs) you have a completely different background than winemaking and I'm going to let you kind of go into that and describe it because you've been a little all over the map as far as like within that industry itself. So let's start there. So it all started back when I was born. No, uh, really, really what it is. Uh, So I went to undergraduate school at Chico State. So I got my bachelor's degree in biochem. So biochemistry was a huge part of my life. And I wanted to do forensic anthropology and just get into forensics. It was CSI was huge. And that's what I wanted to do. And we need to note that um, things do not move as quickly in the real world as they do on CSI and the TV. Fair point. Yes, which, I mean, we all are so excited when DNA results pop up that fast, but that's not really reality. Yeah, I wish that would happen, but then we'd be out of a job, right? If you could just push a button and you know who did it. Unfortunately, it's not like that. So the people behind the scenes have the chemistry degrees and the biology degrees. And so I did a mesh between the two and did biochem. And then afterwards, I went in to get my master's degree at chemistry in chemistry at the University of Oregon. And uh, after that, I decided to get into high tech. So I did semiconductors and photovoltaics, excuse me, 
And I did that for a couple of years, four or five years. And here we are. And then we decided to leave the city and. And buy a farm. Buy a farm. Mm-hmm. And you both come from, you know, farm families, correct? hundred percent. We have never no. touched <laughs> a farm. Yeah. I think we've been to a petting zoo. <laughs> Uh, we've been to a few things, but never owned a farm. So we thought, you know what, this will be pretty easy. Yeah. And oh, okay, let's <laughs> go back to the easy part in farming because those two are synonymous. You know, it's the same <laughs> yeah, thing. Knows right. that. Yeah. Everybody knows that farming is yeah. is so such an easy thing, and there's no mother nature involved, and there's no <laughs> anything. So you went from Beaverton to Gaston, the hills of Gaston, and bought a farm, and decided of all crops to plant, you were going to plant grapes because they're easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just drive around, you see so many vineyards, you're like, you know what? This has to be easy, right? So many people are doing it. Why not? Let's give it a go. So we planted an acre of Pinot, Pinot Noir. And uh, it was not easy. It was not as straightforward. I'll cut to the end of this story. Uh, It was very difficult. We had a lot of deer pressure. We had a lot of uh, things to learn, especially when you come from computer chips. And Beaverton. And Beaverton. And now you're in a vineyard in Gaston, yeah. <laughs> uh, you learn a lot very quickly and you learn the the hard way. Let's talk about these cute little deer. And we don't have to talk about, you know, the end result necessarily. No, we don't really <laughs> want to talk about all of it. But <laughs> you had no idea how these cute little four-legged creatures could be to a vineyard. They're a little, I think you just described it a few minutes ago that you were not a fencer, like actually building fence. So you had not built a fence. And then you did kind of build a fence, but then these little bad boys are, you know, painted in war paint and, uh, you know, (laughs) virtually army crawling underneath your fence. Yeah. True story. So never put up a fence in my life. Fortunately, we have a really good farming friend that helped us out. Eric, if you're listening to this, thank you. So he spent several hours showing me the proper way to set concrete and make sure all your poles are straight and started there. And slowly but surely, as we started adding line after line of electric fence, these war-painted deer stopped crawling underneath the fence and started going around. So as of last year, we started getting our all of our vines to grow, looking really good, and we had our first harvest. And I'm convinced that they just were targeting us. They, <laughs> they, they put, they put war That's paint on. That's what they do. And yeah. they crawled under fences just to spite us. And we're like, you know what? You thought this was easy. Mm-hmm. We'll show you. A Welcome thing to two. the country. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. They are absolutely adorable. And, you know, but they are, they're a little kind of destructive. Yeah. Yeah. You yes. see all these posts about, oh, we had some cute visitors to the vineyard and we're like, oh, that's awesome. They're going to help out so much until they take everything that you've planted and now they're Turned just massive deer. Really yeah. expensive treats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, okay. We went through the fencing. We went through the labors of love with farming and learning that, you know, farming is not easy. It's actually very labor intensive. It's hard on the nerves and the heart and the and the mind yeah. because it's so stressful sometimes. And then you went ahead and added three goats, which are the easiest animals ever to grow <laughs> sure. and keep out of everything. Right. <laughs> Although they do like Triscuits. We did find that out quite nicely. And I had to share my snacks with them because those are some of my favorites. It's really hard to be on a low-carb diet around our goats because they only eat bread. <laughs> Evidently. Oh, well, there you go. Well, they've been a great inspiration (laughs) as far as that's concerned, you know, so you have a great label and you got a great story and I got a great video out of them the other day. So (laughs) You did, yeah. They they fell in love with you. Yes, I think (laughs) that was the marshmallow one, right? It was actually Herschel. 
Oh, okay. But that's oh, okay. He, I had that's a 50-50 okay. shot. It's okay. Yes. He has yes. a, a bone to pick with So seriously, I had 50-50 shot. This is why I do not go to Vegas because I always choose the wrong 50. Yeah, you know? Always. He appreciates the attention, but he would just like to make it clear that that was Herschel. Okay, anyway, well, just to tell you about he, that. Yes, he came across as very feminine that day, apparently. So. <laughs> That's okay. We still love him. He's a great goat. Yeah. He was the free one. So oh, we have buy two, get one free. So, yeah. <laughs> not everybody gets that deal. No. Yes. No. I had a friend offer me, yes, I I had you, friends offer me puppies deal. kind of that way the other oh. day. And oh, my. So, I'm... It, Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, goats we'll, are like puppies. We'll see don't, what happens. Don't take a free one. <laughs> yes. You don't know where they've been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't know what they're going to crawl on. I promise. Very, very, very <laughs> true. Very true. Okay, let's shift over to your, yeah. your vineyard management techniques and then kind of move into the wine because you are novices. Yes. Yes. By and every definition. Yes. <laughs> and this is your third leaf technically this year. So you haven't harvested a lot of fruit mm-hmm. off your property Yet, but yet. you're working on it. And now that you've had the deer, you know, successfully fenced out, you actually might actually get a crop this year. It yeah. looked, yeah. It looked good a, when I was there the other day. Yeah, yeah. We, had, we had a crop last year. We had a quarter of a ton, a little over a quarter of a ton. And we, that was going into our Pinot this year. It's in barrel now. We hopefully will bottle in a couple months, not to skip ahead to that. But uh, this year, yes, we're looking to be about half ton, three quarter ton. Um, we'll see. I mean, the frost was really, really terrifying mm-hmm. this year especially so young into the into the vineyard thing for us. And now you get hit with a frost. So we have deer. Last year we had heat, you know, when Satan's bubble was over the top of us in 116 degrees. That was scary. And now we have frost. So let's bring it. <laughs> so did you, did you experience the 2020 with all the smoke? Yeah, we so were you've, actually... You've gotten like nailed every year with something different. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I I feel like ever since we planted, it was a new surprise every year. It was like final destination for grapes every single year. (laughs) What else can we take? It's always Mother Nature or if it's wildfire. We almost had to evacuate actually in 2020. It was heartbreaking because we felt like we finally made progress in the vineyard. And next thing we know, right next door is Hag Lake. Fire is right up to the tip of our property. And we're like, are we about to lose everything? But, you know, you know, Fingers crossed, toes crossed, We something was on our side, and we somehow were able to stay home, and here we are today with thriving grapes. <laughs> <clears throat> One would, you know, potentially say that because you planted your one acre of vineyard and we've had all these events, that maybe this these are all your fault. It, you know, oh. you know, we've actually discussed this, and we would just like to apologize to everyone for uh, our decision to get into this industry. Uh, I totally. T- <laughs> thank you for that. Wow. So, You're welcome. So we'll, we'll just we'll totally, really announce your yeah, I totally threw a left hook at you, and, and that was so not nice. But oh, I'm just no. like, okay, smoke, fire, frost heat bubble from Satan. I'm like, okay, you planted your vineyard and all this shit started happening. So, yeah. yeah. We, we can also look at it from the other way. This is just a test early on in our careers and our in, in the passion that we're starting. Maybe it's just, uh, it can only get better from here. <laughs> right? And I don't want to knock the table um, because I'll knock the That's against the rules. Yeah, that, is, is. that is the one rule. I signed, yes. I signed the form. Yes, no so. knocking on the table. Uh, no flipping. Okay. It, it, it kills my audio Anne's editor. Anne's about to flip the table. Yeah. She, she's now... <laughs> She's now upset with us. So thank you, Heidi. I appreciate it. She doesn't that. own a vineyard. So at least she, I don't think you own a vineyard. No, she does not own a vineyard. We just, from, from an expert now. 
from an expert oh. now, it's really easy. So <laughs> yeah. just, just throw some in the ground. They'll be it fine. It works out. Yeah. <laughs> or we just need to reset. Maybe if she plants, then this will all go away. We, sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sure. Yeah. It's, I tried. I do want to see grapevines growing in your backyard. That could be really interesting. I do have one. Yes. You have what? She has one. So yep. we'll we'll talk about that. My estate oh. vineyard, one vine. Yeah. Nice. Right. She does have an estate vineyard. No, see? Actually, I have two birds. I have three now. Okay. Oh. There we go. We're learning all kinds of new things. And it's not even Anne's turn yet. It's, <laughs> I, she's I got an estate in. vineyard in her Portland home. And so, be, you know, that is a huge thing to say, you know, that you have an estate vineyard. And one grape board, hundreds, mm-hmm. you're an estate vineyard. Nice, nice work. Cheers to that. Yes. Okay, let's move into wine. Yes. Wine, wine, wine. So you are, you know, like we said, not much pinot coming off your vines quite yet. yet. And they and they are what you do have is in a barrel. So we haven't tried that yet, but that's no. coming soon. Coming soon. So hold on, we'll talk about that later. Okay. 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 So yes. So in front of us you brought a sparkling wine, which yes. we are enjoying. I need to finish this because we have a Chardonnay that we need to get poured yeah. out too. And actually why don't you just like open that? Because last time mm-hmm. I about knocked myself out and took the um the microphone with me. So I'll, let's I'll op- wait till we're done recording because I signed that rule book where I can't touch the table or <laughs> never mind you're a chicken i'll give it to ann <laughs> thank Anne, you Anne thank you, Anne. thanks ann <laughs> yes so we have a sparkling and we have a chardonnay yes. and so um let's kind of back up because yeah. you you don't have a production facility no. at your house in your little goat barn and your five acres and i mean but people make wine all the time in their garages but yeah no probably not the case so where are you making wine so we are making our wine right now at one of my friend's wineries, Jared. Uh, he's been a fantastic mentor. I can't give him enough kudos. He's been a wonderful asset to showing us the ropes, showing me the ropes. And I I joined up with him in 2018. And I started on the bottling line. That's how we ended up meeting. And when you, uh, when you tell a winemaker, you're like, hey, I'm interested in winemaking, they kind of give you that look of, <laughs> okay. Are you aware of what it takes? Yes, I know. I know all about it. I'm ready to go. And He's been for- watching YouTube videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm an expert. TikToks now, I think, is what right. the kids are, are watching these days. But yeah, my kid helped me set up my TikTok that I don't use very much and then immediately blocked me from seeing anything. Smart move. Yes. That is, so. a, that is a pro move. Yes. So, yeah, he's been really taking me under his wing. And I call him a human cheat code, mainly because I could have made so many mistakes. and. For us as a young producer, it could have cost us a lot of money. And we don't have the time, we don't have the volume to really recover from that super easy. So he just showed that the shortcuts, not in a bad way, but just the shortcuts of, hey, you don't need to go down this long, expensive pathway. Or here, buy this $250,000 piece of equipment. Borrow it, rent some space here, and we can control it. You can have your little corner. And let's tell everybody who it is because he deserves some credit. Because Absolutely. not only does he make great wine, although he has not called me back and we've not got him on the show, and he <laughs> should be because his name pops up all the time. It does. He's so, phenomenal. I'll keep, yeah. I'll keep chasing him. Yeah, so. you should. Yes. You should. Okay, so who is it? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Jared Rallison. Okay. He's there phenomenal. we go. And uh, his other buddy that's there and my other buddy, Les, and Les Swenson's phenomenal. He's been a great asset to show me the the working side behind the winemakers and what it takes. And it's, it's not easy. I can't even joke about that, but it was fun to see our Pinot come in. And because it was such a small weight or small volume, we got to crush that all by hand. So 
seeing a 20 plus year winemaker go back to the beginning essentially and hand crush and be willing to help me hand crush our grapes was uh, it's something I'll never forget. We have photos from it. He was he, and he still is such a great mentor and it's not to make him blush or anything, but he he's really helped out and I will forever be in debt to him for helping me out. I will say that there's something really unique around the Oregon wine industry and this the whole um, camaraderie. And everybody's, for the most part, is willing to help everybody else, whether you're new, whether you're having issues in the, you know, the cellar and you're not really sure what to do with it. It really is that whole, you know, adage of rising tide lifts all ships. And yes, you're all competitors, but you're all willing to help each other still, you know, to an extent as well. I mean, and sometimes like literally bending over backwards to help somebody that needs it. It's it's pretty amazing. And it's really heartwarming, especially from an outsider looking in and even me being a little bit more in the wine industry on the business side and knowing so many different people. I love seeing the collaborations, the helping hands, and just all the love that is really shared between everybody. It's cool to hear that, especially from a, a you know, a starting business and having somebody that's so willing to step in. Yeah, you know, we, yeah. could, we couldn't agree more. We just feel like we're, we're literally nobodies in the wine industry right now. And no matter who we message or call for help, they respond to us not only fast, but like genuine. And all they want to do is just help us. And we just feel so fortunate that we're surrounded by so many positive people like faith and talk about faith and humanity restored, right? Um, especially in a time when you feel like things are just going bad all the time with, you know, certain things in the country. And you come back to winemaking and it just, it's a labor of love and in Oregon, especially it feels like we're all part of the same team and we all are just trying to do something really cool. And it makes us feel like we're part of something big. It, it's just really fun. I think that's, a, you know, the one thing that I've learned about wine. Well, I learned a lot of things about <laughs> wine that I had no idea existed. <laughs> yes. Just one thing? Yeah, just one thing, yes. Is that, yes, everybody is doing something similar and you may be using the same kinds of grapes and you may be doing you know, really kind of the same idea, but everybody is so differently creative. And, you know, when you start hitting this terroir stuff and how the grapes really speak to where they're grown and the place they were, you know, originated and blah, blah, blah. Plus then you throw your own creative impact into it. Yes, you are kind of making the same product. It's all a liquid from grapes that go, you know, in a bottle, but they're all absolutely different. Every single bottle is absolutely different. And, when you have a creative spin and a creative side and you have your own branding and then you get your own fan base and then you get, you know, whatever it's, yeah, there can be a thousand plus wineries in, you know, a state because that's where Oregon's at right now, but you can all sell your wine and you each have a different audience. I mean, I don't know how big the world is, but there's billions. And so there's lots of wine drinkers and potential wine drinkers. Cause that's <laughs> what we're, we're aiming for with this show is not only to, entertain and bring new wines to people that are already drinking wine. But those that are on the fence or haven't even thought about wine, hearing a story and going, oh, those people are interesting. You know, I'd, I'm going to go find that wine and I want to I want to go see the goats and, you know, <laughs> right. which the goats are not up for um, visitation at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, they haven't earned that yet. Just FYI. <laughs> so, <They> are, uh, <laughs> special invite only. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been phenomenal to see how many different people just through Instagram Gosh, Instagram, it, it, yeah. Just reaching out, sending a message to somebody, and they respond. And yes, it is genuine, and they're willing to help. Rue Claire, Angela, and Aaron, they've 
without they're amazing. a doubt, they're amazing, fantastic. Yeah, and it's not just a shout out a bunch of people, but it's, it's truly the people that helped us right from the very beginning ideas and where they got certain things and different pieces of our brand where we could go to get stamps and bags and stuff like that. The things you don't think about on yeah. the back end. My logistics guy is terrible. Which is you. Which is me. Yes. <laughs> Which is me. We, we established you, that yes. the other day about how horrible your yeah, personal I just, logistics guy I, is. I wish I could fire him. <laughs> yes. But we don't have the support staff to help out. <laughs> but even our labeling for our Chardonnay, uh, Resolu, Scott and Kathy, he literally came up to our house. Came up to our house to help us label. Hand, who, hand who, label. And I'm, I'm still kind of in awe over that and just forever grateful and super blessed to have that happen. Yeah. Didn't know us from... The fly on the wall. And yet this Oregon wine community is so powerful. A couple of people that were local willing to help us out. And that is a, that's a true thing that we will always take with us. Mm -hmm. And it, it is an emotional thing for us because no one knew who we were and we're still new, right? And we don't expect this massive uh, assistance from everybody. But when you have two people that are just so willing to help out, no matter what, it, forever grateful we have cool great if we get it and, to that one point where we can pay it forward yeah we'd love cool. to yeah when that new person's like hey i'm gonna start a vineyard sit down let's have it let's <laughs> have I, mean, a, I think you need to write a manual I, yes it'll be one page yes just build a fence buckle in build a fence <laughs> hire a hire a farming <laughs> contractor company yeah it, yes, it'll, it'll be a list of three things build a fence buckle in and have fun yeah yeah. And, and we'll we'll make that a maybe that'll be the manual. Yeah, maybe we'll that'll be easy. It'll be easy to print and just put on a Word doc. Yes, <laughs> buy some fancy paper and print yeah, it out, and you're yeah. good to go. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there we go. Yes, let's, you let's got a whole another level of branding going <laughs> right. on. I like so. It. I don't yeah. know. I don't want that. The logistics guy can't handle that right now. Yeah, the logistics guy's a little bit spread thin sometimes. Mm, yeah, you know, so. we make the best of it. Yeah. Okay, let's talk wine because yes, you sorry. brought... No, no, no. You don't have to ever apologize here. We go on side tangents all the time. Okay, so you brought a Chardonnay yes. and you brought a sparkling. So yes. let's talk about what currently is available and then what is also coming up and kind of your... I guess everybody has their own style. Sure. When it comes to wine and why you've chosen to do what you've done, because you are, you know, learning in the trenches as you're going and um, yeah, why you made the decisions you did. So Chardonnay, one of my other mentors that really started helping me out with the vineyard stuff and a lot of the farming is Brad with uh, Scotch Church Vineyard. Phenomenal asset. He's He's been such a, he's turned into a really good friend and again, forever grateful. And that's where those grapes came from in the Chardonnay. So it was one of those, hey, let's try this out. So Jared uh, bought some and I took uh, a little bit myself. We took a ton and, and made it. And I just tried to stick to the basics because I didn't know enough to really figure out where the grapes are coming from and what they're actually, what they're going to taste like, right? So just a simple yeast just to get it going and aged it in a, an Ostelay barrel. Not to throw out names or anything with that, but they were the only one that had a 30-gallon barrel available when we needed to barrel it. So that's what we had. Didn't have a 50- or 60-gallon barrel available that needed to come in really quick. It was a last-minute decision with, with buying those grapes in general. So that's where the Chardonnay came from and aged it, and that's still available. Sorry, I just skipped into that. No, it's no, it's great. No, it's great. I mean, again, there's no format to any of this. Beautiful. So yeah, that's, it that's is, where I thrive. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's you know, I'm pretty picky with my Chardonnay, and I'm you know, 
I don't like things that are over oaky. I don't like things that are over buttery. I like things that have a little bit of nice acid balance. And this is a nice wine for me to drink. I like I like. Well, thank it. you. Yes. Thank you so much. And I told you that the other day when you yes. served me yeah. cheese and crackers and, <laughs> and charcuterie, which is yeah. my favorite snack, yes. by the way. That, that's all Candace. She's the, yes. by far. Hostess with the, the mostest. Best, the best oh, person I, try. I know. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that that was just the intro to, to wine for us was the Chardonnay. Chardonnay One, 101. because the grapes are available. I hadn't made any real connections in the industry uh, in terms of vineyards and where to buy things and learning as we go. And Brad was like, hey, I have some if you want to buy it and try it out. Yes, sir, I do. I I will try this out. We're just going to go gung-ho because my CPA, our CPA was getting a little irritated. Hey, you keep spending money on this vineyard. When are you going to have grapes or when are you going to have wine? Great questions. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we are uh, trying. <laughs> so here, here's our intro to that. So we ended up buying some Chardonnay grapes and try to stick to the basics. And there Well, we nice are. work on your first bottling. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. It's. Uh, I've talked to other wineries that describe their first wines as turpentine and diesel oh. and undrinkable and will kill any plant you dry, you know, oh, no. you pour it on. So, <laughs> you know, it's nice when you actually yeah. have a drinkable, good <laughs> bottle your first, you know, first time out. So uh, very nice work. And that's where the mentorship stuff comes in. Like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And they kind of raise the eyebrow at you. <laughs> uh, let's not do that because these are the results. And here's the why. We've been there. We've spent a lot of money and we've had wines go bad. Unfortunately, with weather fluctuations or equipment failing, something can always happen. Absolutely. So when you when you find that human cheat code, it's not the shortcut. It's just a smarter way to approach winemaking. And it's been super valuable. I love learning. We'll always learn. We'll always figure out how to do something better. And, and yeah, this, we'll and, go with it. And really, wine is the Kim Geek's like side project that's really right up their alley. Like, cause there's so much to wine making that is chemistry. And I, I will share this story. I didn't tell you this before, but I showed up to the winery the first time. He Did you have a white shirt on? Please tell me. Th- this is what I was going to go with. I'm going to get like <laughs> full lab coat, the goggles, <laughs> boots, gloves. I did not, but that's kind of what I felt you had to do in the winery. And I can just imagine now, Jared looking at me going, oh, this guy. This guy. What are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> Send him to Wilco for some car yeah. hearts. Yes. Yeah, yes. get some car hearts. But here I am. I'm in tennis shoes and some like swoosh pants. And that's what I showed up with. And just learning. He's like, man, you need to get some, <laughs> some You need to get some real boots. farm gear. <laughs> you, can just... you need some Tillam McKennies is what <laughs> right? we always called them. Oh, I like yes. that. And yes. you, you look back now. <laughs> you look awesome. back now. Here's 2018. And here we are. Now, where I'm all kitted out, I look like an actual winemaker. And don't <laughs> pretend to be. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here we are. So we, we just learn, constantly learn. And she comes home. She's like, you look tired. <laughs> Thank you, hon. I, uh, yes, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Looking rough. <laughs> yeah. It's all part of the life of a winemaker. Beat up. It is not all. And now look who's all in. Pretty she's out there and She's out in the vineyard and doing stuff and. She makes she, you look way better than I do. She's adorable. Six months. You got a long way to go oh, to catch yeah. up with the adorable factor she has. I've been, I've been learning like four and a half years, and she's six months, and just like, yep, everything looks perfect. Got it done. Yeah. There. Why is this difficult? <laughs> oh. uh, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the sparkling. Yeah. Uh, sparkling uh, is a really good blend. We have Riesling, and we made a rosé from Tempranillo. And where we got the grapes from, the numbers didn't match up quite what we were looking for. Uh, the bricks were 
much lower than what we anticipated. So it came out really acidic. There was no way that we could bottle that. It was not drinkable. So this was kind of a split. I only took a half ton. I'm like, oh, I'll just try this out and try the sparkling. And when we ended up blending it, it it turned out really well. Super happy with it. And then just sparkled it. It's I knew when I drunk drank drunk it, drank it. Drunk it. Drank it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that means that wine's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Slow down. It, it did yeah. It did not taste like a Pinot, but I hadn't asked what yeah. actually was the base. And it, it makes sense with yeah. Tempranillo. Yeah. Yeah. The Tempranillo really it, it it brought out the characteristics that we were looking for. Perfect. And then what do we have coming up that you're bottling soon? Because there's a few things yeah, that are coming for, down the for sure. pipeline. We're, we're looking at the full body Tempranillo. We're kind of working through some equipment things right now. But the Pinot for sure, depending on when we can get glass, will be a uh, million dollar question right, right now. So, uh, September-ish, I think. But I'm the queen of ish. ish. Ish gives you some wiggle you have, room. Right. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. Ish could be Next week or could be yesterday. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You know, we'll Wait. we'll announce that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it it depends on a lot of things. Uh all the, the prices have gone up for labels, glass, supply is short. I know you're gonna you mm-hmm. know that very well. And that's kind of what we're at the mercy of. So it's aging really well, it's healthy, it's sitting in the barrel just waiting for us to to bottle it. And we'll see over the next month how it finishes up and it's, it's tasting really, really good, but it's young. It's from a young vineyard and we fully expect it to need to sit a little bit and let the, the tannins kind of open up and. Well, I can't wait to try it. Us so. too. <laughs> I, I do expect to, I always say this and nobody ever actually follows up on it. I expect an invitation when like it hits the bottle and you're ready to pour it. I'd really like to come and check it out we'll and hang out, and hang out yeah. again. I'll bring my own box of Triscuits this time. Okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> okay, where do we find you guys to buy what you currently do have and that we can like bookmark for coming back later? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram, Three Goats Vineyard, at Three Goats Vineyard, and then threegoats.com. We got that domain and go check it out. Again, my website guy isn't very good at uh, <clears throat> keeping that up to date. Also me. You have a lot of, yeah. I'm really starting to second guess having him employed here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, when you start saying things out loud, you're like, damn, he sucks. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Now I know what some people were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, those are our two biggest ones. Um, I know Facebook is a huge thing, but I'll be honest, I don't know how to use it. And every time I click on a notification and try to respond, it goes to the different page that I apparently created back when I was four. And <laughs> Does it not, go back to MySpace? I, I Please tell so. me you don't have a MySpace. We do. It's uh, MySpace forward slash Three Goats Vineyard. <laughs> I hope I don't have to buy that now. <laughs> oh, great. We don't have MySpace. Uh, I don't have any of the weird selfies from 2000, what was it, four? Uh, yeah. Three? With the duck oh, face. Yeah. 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 That, that's not <laughs> a good look. Geez. Like goose face or something. But goose face. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, Instagram and and our, our website are the two biggest ones. Super responsive on Instagram. That is true. Uh, we respond to that all the time. So I will concur that they do. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, thank I, you. Yes. Yes. I will concur for that. Okay. Last question, because I think this is going to be very interesting. Ooh. And it's oh. the question I always ask. And and going to get a little bit of a, a cheat cheat time because she'll get something similar. But oh. again, you um, you get to go um, deserted island. You did not get to go with each other. So you have to be on different islands. You get to take one celebrity, one wine, well, one drink, because I take IPA on occasion when I get asked, and a snack. 
And a snack can be like a big snack or or like like a meal snack, little snack too. Hmm. God, this feels like Jeopardy. I'll go. Yep. So my deserted island, I'm taking rest in peace, love you, Chris Farley, the comedian. Oh, hell um, yeah. There I, will never be a dull moment. There, yes. It would it I will literally <laughs> die laughing, which would be a happy death. And I, I gotta keep it real. I, I'm not bougie or fancy. We would be drinking Bud Light. Gives me an instant hangover. But it's water. It's in instant <laughs> hangover. Like one sip and headache arises. Yes. Well. Yes. But I'm not going with you. So, you know, you can drink whatever the hell you want. Yes. And I got to keep it real. Um, so I'm half Filipino. And so the snack would be lumpia. And if you haven't had it, it's a Filipino egg roll and it's delicious. Oh, do you make those? Heck yeah, I do. Okay. I want that invite too. <laughs> okay. Okay. L- lumpia and uh, Pinot Noir and goats. Whoop, whoop. There you go. <laughs> what did Date. you just sign up for? <laughs> wow. Yes. That's that a big like commitment. A, yes. <laughs> I don't know what I, to do now. Because you just added that, I will be harassing you okay. to make sure that I come okay. visit. So I'll even bring my husband. He's kind of entertaining sometimes. <laughs> Actually, you two would like totally hit it oh, off. Oh, cool. Yes, yeah, so you can talk about. Oh, you're talking about me? You. Oh. Yes. I'm going to hang with Candace. Yeah. That's fine. She's not yeah. the logistics. She's way better. Yeah. yeah. The logistics nightmare. Yeah. She brings out the charcuterie boards and the food. That's right. way up my alley. I, I will give her that. She's fantastic. Yes. Now. Your turn. Can, can you bring more than one celebrity? Maybe. Maybe. Y- you lay them out. I'm going to tell you if it's allowed or not. All right. So the nerd in me. We'll bring Linus Pauling. The okay, nobody knows who that is. I know. I don't even That's, know. That thing? Yes. Oh, oh it is. Well, I'll just talk to her then. So, <laughs> uh, basically, one of the godfathers of chemistry. Okay. Uh, so, from the nerd side. Now, okay. he's obviously not around anymore, but that conversation would go on forever because we try to solve the world's problems, right? And if you're on a deserted island, who better to be there with than a guy who's won two Nobel Prizes? So is this like the physics guy taking, uh, oh, good Lord, I watch Big Bang Theory all the time. I should know this. Oh, I can't. I can't um, okay, come back to that. I'll come, yeah, we'll, yes, we'll I'll come with it. Yes. Same <laughs> uh, idea, though. <laughs> see, I'm going to sneak two more in just because I can. Uh, Cal Ripken Jr. He's oh. a stud. Iron Man. Uh, just Work ethic, nothing will slow down. So are you down. talking um, uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man or going back to no, Cal Ripken no, no, Jr.? No, okay, come I'm just checking. Come I'm on. just clarifying. We're you keep, never we're know. We're keeping this grounded here, all right? <laughs> so <laughs> I do. I am a Cal Ripken, you know, fan, but <laughs> come on. Robert Downey <laughs> Jr., okay. Maybe more my type than yours, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, Cal Ripken Jr., uh, for sure. Uh, just 2,600-plus straight games. You got to learn some work ethic from that, right? Yes, he's amazing. Uh, third, I'll just sneak that in because because if, you can if if you know us, yeah. I'm gonna just make my own rules, right? Why not? Uh, Dave Matthews, you gotta have. We we cannot live without music, regardless of where you come from. Music is that universal language. You can smile, dance, do whatever you want, and there have been many times that his music and the band's music has just driven me to finish in the vineyard and. <laughs> Harvested by myself this past year and then right to the winery. So one person into the winery listening to You Might Die Trying, that got me through it. 
So and that, I, sh- and I should have known so that because you have some cool posters from Dave Matthews yeah. Band in your house. <laughs> yeah. all, f- all framed up. Yeah. 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 I'm proud about that. So okay. those are my three. I'll sneak those okay. in. Uh, drink. They might have to rotate through. Yeah. Okay. You know Different what? flight schedules. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. Nice. Boat schedules. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. We'll get there. We'll make it happen. Okay. Super. I know it's super random three people, but that's, that's kind of what's in my brain. Uh, drink. Uh, man, I got to take a, a page out. No, I'm going to go with a whiskey. I'm going to go with Maker's Mark. That'll just oh. be my, my constant. We're 46. It's fine. Either one. I'm not going to be picky. Okay. And food. Mm. Oh, I would, I would just have to go with a, a good brat. We can create fire. And... Wait a minute. I'm the what? Wisconsin girl. Oh, his family. Family's all from Okay, there. so we're dropping Anne so, on the yeah. island with you too. Yes. So, she knows the chemistry geek and yeah. she's Wisconsin. You know what? Anne and I are now, we're besties. Aww. Yes. We're, You're kin. You, you, guys, Love it. you guys don't understand. Linus Pauling okay. has a special place. The only Linus I know is from the Peanut Gang, so yeah, I'm <laughs> actually with you. Yeah, because my husband calls me Linus on a regular basis because I am a blankie baby and I carry my blankies Aww. around. So yes, one piece of information none of you needed, but you know, yes. So there you go. I broke all your rules. Those yes, are my three. Uh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Five. You wanted three <laughs> things. I gave you five. Maybe. So and you added Anne into the mix too. So you know, <laughs> there's, there's that there you, too. We're, yes, we're bringing her. Yes. In. Okay, you too. I'm going to cut you off right there because right, you know enough. we got things to do today. So and uh, my glass is empty. So mm. we're going to say goodbye to you too. Although you are sticking around, so I'm sure Absolutely. we'll hear you in the background. And we're going to swap spots and put Anne over there on the other side of the table and pour some her wine because she's got some secret stuff coming up. Secret stash. Secret mm. Yeah. Secret menu. So happy to be a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you very much for yeah. inviting us. Thanks, it's Heidi. Been, absolutely. Absolutely adore you guys. So pause for this music break and we'll be back with Anne with Helia Tara. Okay, we're back and we have gone so far off the rails. Um, but uh, bless Anne's heart because she just brought some serious uh, color to, to to the room. So uh, welcome the lovely Anne um, to the show. And minus like flooding bathrooms and everything else you got going on in your life, you made it to McMinnville on time. Cheers to me, I guess. On I, that one, I was... Uh, I guess. Yeah. Now I got a bathroom to repair. Oh, fun, fun. <laughs> the beauties of homeownership always, right? Yeah. You and I got together two or three months ago, probably-ish, and we talked about a lot of things and didn't really talk about your story. So I'm going into this blindly because I have no idea, but I know you and the fact that you can like fill the room with all kinds of great stuff. So let's, uh, let's start from the beginning and kind of how this whole wine journey started for you because I don't think you're second generation, and I don't think you went directly into it from you know childhood or whatever. So, so let's uh, let's hear this because I yeah yeah I'm kind of excited and a little nervous, especially after the last cheering performance we got like a minute or two ago. So, which may or may not make it to the air. Oh no! All right. Well, (laughs) so I 
you're right. I'm not a second generation. I was not born into this. I grew up in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, of all places. Sheboygan. Sheboygan. I love that word. That's, that's almost as fun as what we were just saying before. I um, know it. it. Isn't this like in um, like planes, trains, and automobiles? Or it's in Home, home Alone. alone. It's in home I was going to say, this yeah. has to be like Home Alone. This is a movie name. Yes. Sheboygan. Yeah, this is John Candy all the way. Truly. And it actually is my hometown. Town of 50,000 people. I grew up there and then went to school in Madison. And so, you know, in Wisconsin, we are really good at drinking, but it, wine is not our chosen <laughs> beverage. And making cheese. Yeah, mm. very much. Gives Tillamook a run for its money. Oh, we're way better than that. No, not, hey. not, let's uh, not say that. I, know. I don't think more. I can get better in front oh, of you. Well, I know. I know. <laughs> you and I are going to fist fight out the hallway. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. We'll have a cheese smackdown. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's kind of like the tortilla challenge right now on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. But with like slices of cheese. Uh, Curds. <laughs> I literally just got back from Wisconsin and brought a cooler full of cheese back with me. Is it in the car? Sorry. Oh. Damn. I know. You'll have to come visit my one estate vineyard my one my one behind the state vineyard in my backyard and then we'll and then we'll okay. have a cheese off okay another i'm not even going to bring any cheese i just want to try it all right so all right. no cheese off just eat cheese eating i, with I love wine. it i'm in i'm in yes so yeah i went to school for geology and environmental studies at university of wisconsin madison which again still doesn't tell you why i'm doing wine but after college, so in order to have a degree or have a job in geology, you really have to have a master's or a PhD. And I was not ready to do that. I wanted to go have some life and do something else. And I almost went to culinary school. My hobby in college was always cooking. And like that was my relaxation. And I've always enjoyed food and flavors. And I would be, I would geek out. Like I made my own little tasting notebooks and I'd soak off labels and I would write descriptions and have little parties with friends and pair it with food. And so that has been a passion for me for a long time, pretty much since I was legal to drink. I bet you were um, very popular, <laughs> especially, I mean, college students live off Top Ramen and there mac were, and cheese. There were definitely right. moments when my college friends would and my roommates would go out and I would stay in and cook and they'd come back and we'd have like a feast. At 2 a.m.? Where were you when I was going to college? <laughs> Chicken and rice. And I can like gourmet ramen 101. I should have wrote the book. Mm. So. Yeah. So I got really into that and was about to go back to school for culinary. And instead, I was offered a job for a national nonprofit to do fundraising, of all things. And they were launching a new fundraising program that was, a, uh, and they were launching it in nine states, or nine, yeah, nine state cities across the United States. And they said, okay, you're hired and put down your top two choices. I said, Portland and Seattle. I had never been to either of them. And they said, great, we're sending you to Portland. And I was like, I was 22. And I said, why the heck not? You know, I'll go anywhere once. If I don't like it, I can leave. So I actually at the time was living in Florida for a really crappy internship. So I drove from Florida back to Wisconsin, swapped out my short sleeve shirts for my sweaters and um, drove on out here. And I landed in Portland. I didn't know a single person. Actually, my dad's like college roommate lived here. That was the closest and a childhood friend. That's pretty distant. That's pretty distant. Yeah. And while those two families invited me over for dinner, I didn't know a single person. So I was like, well, I am a busybody. I'm a doer. I need something to, to fill my time. So I started looking for part-time jobs to do on the weekends, and I found a tasting room job. And I was like, well, this is cool. 
I love wine. So I ended up in the tasting room out at Tualatin Estate Vineyards, which is one of the oldest vineyards in Oregon, definitely one of the oldest in the Willamette Valley that was planted by Bill Fuller in 1972. And so what better place than to land at a place of historical impact? Um, And that was back in 1999. And I worked in the tasting room on and off for actually about seven years and with the permission of Jim Bernot, gleaned some fruit, started making some wine in my basement, even got best of show at the Astoria Seafood and Wine and all of that. Like, I was having some success on a very small level. And then I was like, well, this is really cool. So then I found Shemekita. So then I went back to school for first just wine appreciation and, you know, wine knowledge. And then I started getting more and more into that and started down the path of the, the winemaking degree at Shemekita. Then after doing that for a few years, I talked Joe Dobbs. Nope. First, it was Eric Homaker. Sorry. So first, Eric Homaker, on the year that he was opening the Carlton Winemaker Studio, he was having his first crew. And even though I knew nothing at all, I was tenacious enough that I convinced him that I needed to be on that crew. So I waltzed into a job at the Carlton Winemaker Studio on the first year that it opened and actually helped build the barrel cellar out because there was so much work to be done just to get the winery ready for harvest. And it was actually pretty cool because it was me and uh, an all-woman crew, um, which I was totally humbled by that whole thing. You know, there was a whole room full of or tenant-based system of a lot of really fantastic winemakers that I got to be a fly on the wall. I had my, I'll swear here, I had my ass handed to me that harvest. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to set up a tank. I remember one experience where I was handed a box full of like tanks, uh, vents, valves, clamps, and gaskets. And they said, go set up that tank. And I totally did it wrong because I didn't know. I didn't know. I had never done this before. But that was year one. And that was really hard, but it was really fun. And I was like, there's something to this. I really want to continue this. So from there, I started working at a number of other wineries and just sort of worked my way up from seller grunt to seller assistant to assistant winemaker to winemaker to consulting winemaker. And so I did that for eight years and yeah, ended up at the end at Apollonie and I was winemaker with Alfredo. I had reached a point where I had learned everything I could from that experience. I was there for three years. I knew that I wanted the next challenge. But this was back in 2009, middle of the recession. Any winery that I wanted to move to, like a mid-sized winery, wasn't really hiring. So I made the hard choice that I turned to my now ex-husband and said, you know, I think it's time for me to do this and I need to make my own. And um, so what I did... Oh, and by the way, in 2009, I was also pregnant with our second child. So I both had my second child and the birth of my business in the same year, which, you know, seemed like a really good idea at the time. That's um, a lot. It was a lot. Very badass, by uh-huh. the way, to, uh, but, to go both sides of yeah, the Yeah, so I had, I had a toddler, I had an infant, and I started a business. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> and I didn't have resources. I literally pulled half the equity out of my mortgage and bought barrels and grapes and fermenters and borrowed a little space at John Groshow's winery when he was building a space in Northwest Portland um, that is now Bodecker Cellars. So... And I was off to the races. I only made 400 cases. I made Syrah and Pinot because I didn't want my first release to be a white. It's just how I was, how, my choice. And I then was going to fold in my first white Pinot Blanc the next year. So my first re- release under Helioterra was in 2009. 
So this will be my 14th vintage under Helioterra and my 21st vintage making wine commercially in Oregon. So through that time, I grew, I now have, well, I had three wine brands that happened over the time. One of them has since gone away. I still have two wine brands. The other one is Woe Nelly, which is my value Pinot Noir. Predominantly, I make a few other wines under that label. It's got a great label, by the way. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And then I also, seven years ago, created a hard cider company called Alter Ego Cider because, you know, once you ferment one fruit, let's ferment some more. Sure. Why uh-huh. not? It's yeah. it's all easy. It is. Yeah. It's all easy. Just, yes. you know, I, I, yes. I understand your your way of doing things. I can do anything. Why not? So, and then I moved, I ended up moving facilities about every three years up until 2018. I kept kind of doing the equivalent of couch surfing in a winemaker world and kind of couch surfed on a few friends, different wineries. And I literally moved my production every three years until 2018. I broke that mold. I totally lucked out and I ended up with my own space in Southeast Portland. I literally won the lottery. It was like, I mean, I didn't win the lottery. I won the proverbial lottery because I live in Southeast. I've always lived in Southeast. My kids go to school in Southeast. The winery is in Southeast. My entire world revolves around a three-mile radius circle, and that is so great, you know, because I don't own a vineyard. I buy grapes from all over. That 400 cases has now bloomed up to about 5,000 cases between the two brands. I also have a shared space. So now that I have my own place, I... You know, we were talking earlier in the segment about people helping each other out. I did not get into this on my own. I got into this through the help and the the pioneering of a lot of people that came before me and shared space with a lot of other people prior to this. And it was something that I wanted to to do and offer to other folks. I also like the camaraderie of having other people in the building that you can like riff on or t- taste wines together, you know, talk through problems or successes. And so... I opened my space up to other other people, other producers, some small, some medium-ish. And then this crazy thing happened organically this past year where one of the tenants moved out and one other one moved in. And all of a sudden, I found myself with an all-women production space. I started researching it, and I came to find out that we're not only the only all-women cooperative in Oregon, but we're actually the only all-women cooperative in all of the Northern Hemisphere. Pretty amazing. I I saw that article, I think, randomly before I came out and saw you a couple months ago. And I'm like, and I knew several of the women that were out there. And I I mean, I knew they were out, you know, out in Portland, but I just didn't know where they were. I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense, you know? And I love the fact that things come in together organically and that they're not like, hey, let's make headlines and let's all, you know, all us girls move in together and have like a sorority kind of thing. And it's just, it's a lot of cool personality, the ones that I know, I don't know everybody, but a lot of cool personalities that are kind of in your little group. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's really great. It's great to to be able to share and empower other women who are doing this in a very male-dominated field. You know, not to say that I... It's not as always easy to be a woman in a field that is not common to be in. And also, this is really hard work. It is very physically demanding work that, you know, women's bodies inherently are not built the same way as men's. And so we can have some physical uh, complications against just even doing the work. But that's never really stopped me or anyone else. And ultimately, at the end of the day, 
I'm a great winemaker. I'm not a great female winemaker. It doesn't, I don't differentiate that, but at the same time, others do. And I really learned that a lot out of the pandemic, that there were a lot of people who very specifically wanted to support women in this field. And now that I'm being more vocal about it, it's really interesting how there's a whole host of new customers that are coming and seeking me out and the building out and the wine bar out because that is the demographic of the the people that they want to be supporting. Yeah, it's interesting. And there was a lot of changing of philosophies and perspectives, you know, I think with COVID and definitely a lot of negatives, but there's a lot of positives that have come out of it as well. And so it's interesting to kind of hear that kind of came your way with that in that particular thing as well. Yeah, it's been really great. It's been really fun to share the space and to come out of the pandemic and have a lot of people who really appreciate what they have and being able to support with their dollars and being proactive about that. And it's been really fun to host a lot of different groups. And I also, with another friend, have a women's networking group that we host at the winery and lots of other things of that nature that are a a bigger snapshot of community support. Awesome. Well, let's uh, shift to wine because I know, well, we've kind of been talking about wine, but we are, let's like talk really about wine. Really about wine. Really about wine now. Speaking of, I need the second one because my glass is empty. (laughs) Totally. And this is like this secret special sauce. All right. So I make, um, here, hold on. I'm going to pour and then talk. I make three pillars of wine. I don't own fruit or I don't own any vineyards. I work with the same growers year we, in and year out. We did establish that you do have an estate vineyard, but there's, you know, it's now three it's vines. small. It's yep. One is a table grape and that is a large vine. And I just planted two Gewurztraminer in my new backyard landscaping. So that's it. That's all I grow. So you can't say that you don't own a vineyard because you do own a very uh, itty bitty one. Little, little teeny. Itty, itty itty bitty. bitty. Itty bitty. I did actually last year throw some of my estate clusters into a ferment just so I could say that I did. Perfect. Well, you know, <laughs> it's all it's all logistics and it's all, you know. 0.01% estate. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So because of that, I feel really lucky to work with the people who I work with. You know, I established very early on within my winemaking that that was where I put my time, my my expertise, my training. I did not want to be a farmer. I did not want to buy land. I didn't feel like I had the time to go out and do that. Instead, I wanted to go and buy the fruit, work with people who I really admire, and make make my wine with the grapes that I wanted to be making wine from. And a lot of places I had previously worked with some of this fruit, so a lot of it was established relationships that once I went back to them, I was like, well, yeah, of course, you know, yes, we will sell you grapes. In fact, when I left Apolloni, I said, guys, I'm going to I'm gonna go do this. I'm going to make, make my own wine, start my own brand. I said, I'd really like to buy some Pinot from you if that's all right. And they said, well, of course, Ann. What do you want? I said, well, my two favorite blocks, please. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, sure, we can do that. So I still, to this day, get fruit from what I, when I was wine, making wine there, what I thought was the best fruit. Maybe Alfredo, if he's ever sat in this chair, would say something else is better than what I choose. But that's the great thing about wine. We all have a different palate and a different experience. And a different opinion. And a different opinion. Yep. Yep. So I create what I call three pillars of wine. I do uh, lesser-known aromatic white varieties. I do Pinot Noirs. And I do Rhone Reds. And then I have to stop myself there because otherwise I would say yes to all these cool opportunities that exist. But that's where I'm hanging my hat on those three categories 
So I make a lot of unusual whites. I make a lot of single varietal, single vineyard wines because, frankly, a lot of times I just can't find the fruit anywhere else. So case in point, the first wine that we had, the Star Thistle Cuvée, it is the secret magic wine, as we were discussing a little bit earlier. The Star Thistle is called that because I can't actually put the grape breakdown on this label. It is a blend. It's a blend of Riesling and Huxelreba is 55% Riesling, 45% Huxelreba. So because it doesn't exceed the 75% benchmark that labeling laws request of you, I can't put this on the label because the TTB does not recognize Huxelreba as a grape that is grown within the U.S. Which I had never heard of that. I literally thought you were making things up. And, and like if you like, ask my kids, I might yeah. be known to do things like that. I have my own language that I seem to create uh, on the fly. So like I totally identified. I'm like, okay, so she just made this shit up. Like it's literally pulled it out of the air, and it's like a little hokey pokey. And now she has a hoopsalreba. Or it sounds like a, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like a spell. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Could be. Like I, I think I literally looked at you cross-eyed, going gosh, do I take her seriously or do I call her bluff and call BS on this? And yeah. it's, I would have been wrong. You would have been wrong. <laughs> yep. Just talk to Dieter Bohm over at uh, High Pass Vineyard because he brought this over in his suitcase and he propagated the vineyard. And so he grows it and I buy it. I literally have only known one other Dieter in my life and I literally <laughs> thought his name was made up as well. So that totally <laughs> blew my name. He, he was the he was the tractor mechanic in Tillamook and had his own like little mechanic shop and his name was Dieter. Yes. And now you know of two. I kn- now I know of two. One, one is a wine thief and one is a, or a vine thief and uh-huh. the other one is a mechanic. Exactly. <laughs> that may or may not still be alive. I don't know. Yeah. My yeah. mom and dad will let me know as soon as they hear this and they will, uh, you know, bring me up to date. <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I really like working with unusual wines. I like wines that tell a story, um, grapes that tell a story. I like people that tell a story. I mean, I, I am one piece of this wine journey and my growers are the other piece of it. And so, you know, I said to a group of people over the weekend, I feel so lucky that I get to work with so many fantastic people and that I get to buy fruit from people who I consider my friends. You know, I would rather do business with someone who I want to sit down with and have a, a glass of wine or a dinner and talk with than someone who I just enjoy the fruit that they grow. Like everything is a personal relationship with with my growers. And I still get the same same blocks, rows, you know, that I've gotten for over a decade now. So that allows me to carry out a consistency within my wines while really highlighting the vintage variation that Mother Nature throws at us, which we were discussing that earlier, has been vast in the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. So the star thistle is a really interesting wine on a lot of different levels. I actually used to make this wine for a client. Oh, I do that too. I also do custom winemaking for other people um, when they don't, might have a vineyard but not have the winemaking expertise. So I have a couple of clients that I make wine for. And this one started out that way. It started with, as a client wine back in 2004. And this client wanted to make an Auslesa-inspired wine but with 100% Huxelreba. And I was like, that sounds like a cool challenge. Let's do it. So we did, but we found that the Huxelreba on that particular style didn't hold up on its own and then started playing with blending and blended the Riesling in and found a real great sweet spot with the Riesling in kind of that roughly 60-40 zone. 
It's named the star thistle because it's named after actually a weed that grows in Northern California and Southern Oregon. And he, it's pretty. It's, it is. It's, it's a pretty, pretty name. I don't know about the weed, but. The weed is also very pretty. And the weed actually is responsible for creating some of the top honey in the world. And this wine, as it ages, because it ages really well because of the high acid and the presence of sugar. So this wine takes on a very honey characteristic as it ages. So you crack a bottle of this that's 10 years old or even five or more years old, and it is just got this beautiful honeyed note to it, which is quite lovely. Interesting. Yeah. It's really lovely as it is, because like as soon as I smelt it, and as most know, I don't have a good palate for stuff, but it has a very distinct aroma to it, and I couldn't really like nail it in, but to me it was like a kiwi or something like that, that it was really a really lovely surprise. Actually, both of the the whites were, because the second one is just as good. Thank you. Yes. So whites are interesting to me. I have a special expertise in whites in part because in what, like year three-ish of winemaking, I was working for Joe Dobbs, a Dobbs family estate and wine by Joe. And at that point, he had split the winery into two locations. One was in Dundee and one was out in Forest Grove. And I was in charge of the white wine facility. And that was a really amazing experience for me because we at the time had 20 other clients that we were making wine for. Plus, we were doing some custom bottling uh, for other clients. And so with that arrangement, I made just about every white grape grown in the state of Oregon and also had the experimentation that allowed me different vessels and different yeast selections and, you know, different temperatures. So I did a ton of different experiments and was able to then pick and choose style-wise what I thought was the best technique. And I've honed my technique in my own wine since then, just gleaning from that experience that I had. And I'll tell you, most of the way that I make my whites is pretty complex. I said earlier, a lot of them are single vineyard, single varietal wines, and I want the wines to be the most interesting, the most complex and contemplative that they can be. So I often actually have a lot of ferments that will go into a particular white wine, even if it's only like 200 cases, because I like split it up and do lots of different yeasts or lots of different vessels just to make it more interesting, both for me and for the wine. So case in point, the one, the second wine that we're drinking right now, this is the um, Malone Bergone in concrete. So I actually do two bottlings of this wine. I do one bottling that is the Malone Bergone in stainless and, and barrel. And then is that I, another grape? Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. checking. Yeah. If we were in the South of France in Loire, we would be drinking Muscadet, but we are in Oregon. So we call it Malone Bergone. There's only six vineyards in Oregon that grow this. So, and this one is suburb wine. Um, this is literally the side yard of a large home in the hills of Happy Valley, Oregon. So this is only 20 minutes from my house, which makes it really easy to go check on. But the owner, he got sick of the grass. And so he was like, I don't want to mow this anymore. Similar to your story, you guys. And so instead, he planted Pinot in the front yard and Molonda Bergone in the side yard and has a lot of deer pressure. It's a very small vineyard, so there are some other challenges that go along with that. He has about five acres total planted. And actually, he thought he planted Pinot Blanc. That's a common thing that happens. And then Ken Wright just like helped people find that a lot of what we were calling Pinot Blanc was Malone Vergone. Interesting. Okay, there we go. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your story, but no, that's I just right. wanted to just clarify. Malone Vergone is a grape. This is also often heralded as the best wine to pair with oysters. 
So from a Northwest wine, mm. you know, the whole what grows together goes together adage. This one and like Neetart's oysters is just like an off You're the so chart. So speaking my language <laughs> right now. And, okay, so let me say this really fast. So like I grew up on the coast and so like I love seafood, but oysters were way out of my comfort zone. Uh-huh. And it literally took... <laughs> Probably two bottles of bubbly, and it was at Remy's. Uh-huh. Um, Remy had a bubbles and bivalve event um, several years ago when I first started drinking wine. And I went with a friend, and she's like, You're going to drink enough bubbles to where you take a shooter. Cause I, well, I'll eat them steamed or on the barbecue, but I would not take them um, slippery sliding. Slippery sliding because they look like a big loogie in a glass. <laughs> and I will say that it is my favorite way to eat oysters now. And I don't need two bottles of bubbly to, to get me drunk enough to try it. Um, but I could see where this could go amazing with just that salty yep. sea, yep. you know, yep. whatever. Yeah. It's got a minerality to it. It's got kind of a little bit of a brininess to it. The wine in Muscadet naturally is grown on the seashore. It has calcareous soil, so it has more of those impacts. With this particular bottling, I bought the concrete egg tank specifically to try and emulate some of the influences of the Muscadet region. So you get some additional minerality from the concrete. It also affects the pH of the wine. And because of the shape and through thermodynamics, the wine actually stirs itself 365 days of the year. So this particular wine, this my my egg tank remains full 364 days of the year, no matter what. So I keep, I ferment and age this wine in the tank, and I really only pull the wine out of tank when the fruit is being picked. So when the next vintage of fruit is being picked, I rack that wine out. Literally on the same day that I'm pressing it, I don't even give it a rinse anymore, and I go right back in on top. So it's a little bit of a almost like a Solera system using last year's yeast and lees to kick off the ferment of the next year. That's awesome. Yeah. So this is a wine that I've been making now since 2017, and this particular variety or uh, bottling of it is very special to me. Like it has it has a lot of history in the cellar that kind of has those vintages backed up on top of each other. But also, it just I love the texture of this wine. It just really kind of coats your mouth and pairs well with a lot of things, not just oysters for the folks that don't, don't like, like it. Don't like yes. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's talk about quickly like some of the other varietals and then um, we got to wrap it up because we got snacks yeah. and uh, somebody's got to leave town. <laughs> right. Me. Yeah. So what else do I make? I do, okay, on the whites, I also make Auxerrois and Pinot Blanc and occasionally other things if luck presents opportunity. I do a still rosé. I do a sparkling rosé of Syrah, Grenache, and Viognier. What a nice combo. Um, it's really fun. It's quite delicious. And it's cool climate. It's Chihala Mountain, so it has a lot of acidity. And in fact, I make both a red, which we're going to try, and the sparkling rosé from the same vineyard. So they, Beth and Kevin, Kevin's dad planted a very big test block that includes Syrah, Grenache, Tempranillo, Viognier, Albarino, all warmer climate varieties because they had a warmer site and they wanted to see if they could grow these things. And turns out they do and they do it well. So I've been making Syrah off that vineyard since 2013. And Beth and Kevin are just a ton of fun. If you haven't had them on the show. Oh, I have. Not Kevin, but Beth. Uh Uh-huh. And yes, her and I had a great time. And they have, I love going out to their vineyard because they have like old growth vines, like the moss growing off them and it makes the best pictures. Yeah. It just, it looks like the Pacific Northwest. And the vineyard is gorgeous. Yeah. It's, it's really an amazing site. And yes, I have had Beth on and uh, Kevin was unavailable that day. Yeah. So, and she loves her bubbles. 
we have a joke, actually, that every single time I go out to the vineyard, bubbles are consumed and in some level. Either it is their own bubbles, it could be another local producer bubbles, it could be grower champagne, or if they're crabby and in a pinch, it's Coors Light. Those are bubbles. Which are bubbles. Yes. And, and then every Watery bubbles. Yep, <laughs> yep. And then often they'll send me home with sparkling water. So they literally just came. They <laughs> live, so everything always has carbonation. They just came to my birthday and... My present was a bottle of grower champagne and two cans of Coors Light. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I'm like, only you guys. This is fabulous. So anyway, yes, I make sparkling Syrah, uh, rosé of Syrah from there. And then Pinot, I do a couple different bottlings of, of Pinot Noir, my rosé Pinot, and then Reserve and some single vineyard Pinots. And then the Rhone Reds. So in the red department, I get some of my Rhone fruit from Washington and then the, a little bit from Oregon. So I work with some pretty incredible growers in the Red Mountain region and the eastern side of the Yakima Valley. And I get Syrah Grenache and Morvedra from out in the Washington state, which is a lot of fun, except again, with labeling laws, you know, I can't put Red Mountain on the label for the Morvedra, which is really sad because it's such a distinct vineyard with huge amount of pedigree. And so I have to dumb it down and call it Columbia Valley, which makes me sad. I, I Yeah, I get it. Labeling laws are something else for sure. It is. So... Yeah, so I'm lucky enough to to get a little bit of fruit from up there. And I mean, almost everything I make, I make less than 500 cases of. So I make a lot of different things, but small You need quantities. to get them when they're available because they could go fast. Yep. 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 And a lot of things that I make are wine club exclusives at this point. Yep. No, totally makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, where where do we where do we find you and where oh, do we where do we buy yeah. your stuff? Correct. So yes. I am located in Southeast Portland on Southeast Seventh between Division and Hawthorne. Uh, we're currently open four days a week or for private tastings. And we have a lot of different events going on in a wine club. Um, we do some food pairings and whatnot. We do also guest winemakers every first Friday. Tomorrow happens to be a first Friday. And actually, I'm going to be my own guest winemaker because I am never behind my own bar. So I'm going to be there tomorrow. But we have a rotating cast of other women winemakers that are guest winemakers every first Friday of the month. And you can also get the wines from some of the other tenants in the building. Some other winemakers that are producing their wines, those are also available by the bottle and occasionally by the glass at our place as well. Fantastic. And social media and a website. Totally. Uh, helioterrawines.com, at helioterrawine on all the other socials. So fairly easy to find, as long as you can spell Helioterra. Yes, <laughs> Helioterra. So just, I didn't mention that. That is, my name is inspired by the Oregon State Gemstone, because I harken back to my background in geology. So um, the Oregon State Gemstone is the heliolite, more commonly known as the sunstone, because helio is Greek for sun, terra is Greek for earth. So of course, what do we need to grow grapes, but sun and earth? And then the logo, the aminoid fossil on my um, my label I felt that that was uh, representative of the sun within the earth. See, I hadn't asked that question yet. Mm -hmm. See, that's mm. why that's why I need a co-host sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And Anna's her own co-host. <laughs> that works well. <laughs> okay, last question for you. Same question because I know this is going to get interesting with you as well. And I will go back and say it was Stephen Hawking that I was trying <laughs> to remember with the physics thing and not... What's his name? Linus, Pauling. Li Linus. I was going to go Lionel, but that is dancing on the ceiling oh, uh -huh. and, you know, 
Wrong. Wrong genre. Wrong genre. <laughs> yes, yes. 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 So yes, Stephen Hawking. I'm so sorry. So I'm sure there's others, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. So okay, celebrity, desert island, uh, drink and snack. Yep. So I have to go with the notorious RBG, Ruth Bader uh, Ginsburg. May she absolutely rest in peace and is rolling over in her grave right now. Uh, I think she would be a fascinating individual to spend a lot of time with. And obviously, right now, a very poignant person to get her wisdom on a lot of different critical issues facing not only our country, but women in particular. Not to make it all somber, but no, holy, holy no. cow, we got a lot, yes. a lot going on we've, in the world We've gone right from now. a chemist to, you know, <laughs> to old lady Ruth. Old so, lady Ruth. Yep. I mean, she is an inspiration for sure. I got to go with my Wisconsin roots. I'm going to say cheese curds. Oh. I'm going to say cheese curds. Squeaky cheese? Yeah. And see, I am not a fan. And I think it's because I packaged them for way too often. And I, I don't know, it's a texture thing for me. And I'll tell you, I don't like the Tillamook ones. No, and maybe I need to try the Wisconsin Woo! ones. I know, so, I know, wait, yeah. I know. No, no fighting, but this is like good, like pair up because I'm yeah, inter- yeah, I'm no, interested, it's... and I love cheese, but I've never been a fan of the curds. Yeah, all right, Tillamook curds. So, so I'm so, I'm with you there. I'm so sorry, Tillamook. Don't listen to this. And <laughs> I really I will rue the day that if I ever find out that I'm lactose intolerant because I absolutely love cheese. It is my my comfort food. It is my like I. I goes mel- on everything. I, I melt that stuff on everything. Yes. <laughs> yes. Literally the day that I, f- I found out like it was traditional to melt cheddar cheese over apple pie, I about like came unhooked. I'm like that, A, it depends on the apple pie because sometimes you need to cover stuff up with other stuff to make it taste good. But oh, it just, it was almost felt sacrilegious, but it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But make it good cheddar and make it a really good non-mushy apple pie that is made by grandma. Yeah. Or my mom. My mom makes a kick-ass apple pie. Ooh. And Virginia, okay. who is my McMinnville mom. You can bring that. Yes, I'll bring that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say uh, German Riesling. Good choice. Yes. Good choice. Okay. We have gone all over the map with <laughs> who everybody is bringing with them. Look at all the personalities in the room today. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, thank you all. That is, we're going to call that the end of the show right there. We're going to say thank you to everybody because we have more wine to drink and we have our own snacks because Dustin with Biscuit and Pickles brought us an entire plethora of lunch that looks like a smorgasbord of dinner. And then his oh. lovely alley. I think it's his fiance. Could be his wife. I don't know. But the lovely Allie has um, brought warm chocolate chip cookies for us to enjoy as well. So we're going to say thank you and merry weekend to all because we're almost there. It's going to be my weekend here in about two hours. (laughs) Life is short and we should all drink the wine. Drink the wine. Cheers. Thanks, Heidi. Yes. Thanks all. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Wine Crush Podcast. We are almost at the end of season 15, but, or sorry, season, oh, sorry, let's start from scratch. <laughs> yeah, we're I'm glad to be part of that season. Yeah. Uh, at the intersection of holy and shit. <laughs>